HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, and welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Here today with Jessica Canellos-Weiner of Edible Paradise, which is an amazing coloring book meant for all ages, uh, about the bounty of fruits and vegetables and, and the fauna and flora that surrounds it. So, you know, being a Chicagoan, yes, <laughs> how much, you know, bounty, how much fruit and vegetable were you surrounded by in that metropolis? Mm, well, we are the meat packers to the world, so I'd say the fruits and vegetables were pretty minimal. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say I actually live in Paris now, and I think that's when I was introduced to the bounty of fruits and vegetables at the local markets. But you were excited about food at a young of age. Of course. I mean, you yes. were a cookbook author at age six. <laughs> Very much so. So I would say my parents are kind of like a first-generation foodie family. So as you know, Chicago is a great restaurant city, and you can get a pretty decent cheap bite pretty much everywhere. So that's how I was introduced to food. And I, th- I listened to enough Heritage Radio to know that a lot of chefs grew up watching PBS and all the food shows on Saturday mornings instead of cartoons. So that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, I started buying a microplane and a food processor and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I've always really, really been into food and had no idea how it would manifest itself later on in life. I know Chicago has its hot beef and jarnier. Yes. But what, what inspired you at such a young age, at six, to write this cookbook and make gyros and caramel sauce with a touch of pepto bismol Yeah, I mean, maybe we should link to this famous cookbook on the website or something like that because I mean it just reflects what I was eating I have Greek heritage so there was a gyros with caramel sauce there was a an alive pigeon with honey mustard Dijon, so I'd say, you know, pigeon. life was reflecting food. I, I don't know. Yeah, you, you were like an Italian futurist. It's more about Pretty interaction much, yeah. and synesthesia yeah. than it is uh, It's edibility. very haute gastronomy, I must say. 
you know, taking that, you know, foodie family and then moving to New York eventually as a costume designer for TV, stage, and film, um, was a little of it moving to New York to be around New York's culinary scene? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I studied theater in college. I actually looked at culinary schools and all that, but uh, I won a pretty good scholarship to Denison University in Central Ohio, and I also love theater, so I thought, you know, I could always probably go to culinary school or just be a passionate home cook. So moving to New York was, I mean, the place to be, in my opinion, to advance that part of my career and also to eat as well. I think New York is... Uh, super rich and lots of different options, uh, even better than Chicago, if I might say. <laughs> but craft catering on TV and film shoots, not that good. Uh, it depends. I mean, it depends on the budget, I think, for sure. Yeah. So a- after that part of your career, um, why the move to Paris? What, what was the draw there? Well, I moved to Paris right after I graduated. Uh, I had a year before I had to pay back my student loans. So I thought, this is my time. I'm going to live the dream. I'm going to become Sabrina in Sabrina. Uh, Hopefully, I was hoping for an Audrey Hepburn style makeover. And so I found an au pair gig and two weeks later I was on my way. So that I think that was probably more of my gastronomic odyssey more so than New York because I've always been intrigued by France and French food and just the allure of it. Yeah, and now your current life as an illustrator, what was it about, you know, the art and architecture of Paris that drew you in, maybe even prior to the food? Well, my dad had studied abroad in Strasbourg in the 70s, and he was a big hippie type. So he used to tell me stories about, you know, being completely jet lagged and buying 10 croissants and eating them all and (laughs) learning his lesson very quickly. Um, And I don't know, there's always been an intrigue. I don't know if you find this, but French food has always had this allure, this kind of mystical air about it. Uh, So I think for me, it just, I mean, with food and fashion and all that stuff, it was the ultimate draw. Yeah. It's also had such distinct form. You Mm -hmm. know, the croissant itself is undeniably uh, the shape it is. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I I feel like from a art or illustration perspective, um, those are the signifiers of French food. You yes. can even do a line drawing, an outline. Yes. People would still know it's a croissant. Yes. So, yeah, the funny thing is when I was an au pair, I was really hoping to have this huge gastronomic odyssey, as I said earlier. And the family who I stayed with, they only ate like barilla pasta and oh. Nutella on American style white bread. <laughs> so I was hoping to eat head cheese and, you know, the funkiest of cheeses out there. But I think I quickly learned that France is this super inspiring culinary landscape, but not everybody eats that way. So we can talk about that a little bit later too, but it's it's changed a lot in the past few years as far as distribution of food and what people are actually eating now. Yeah. So, I mean, when you were there hoping to kind of combine these two talents of yours, your passion for food mm-hmm. as well as illustration, did you find an easel on the side of the Seine and start rather than drawing, you know, uh, boats going by, you know, eggplants? Yeah, I think that um, when I moved back the final time, it's a long story, but I moved back and forth quite a bit throughout the years, but uh, I just got married to my now French husband, and I kind of decided ahead of time that I would kind of manifest this dream of living in Paris. Maybe costume design wasn't an option, but I would keep my options completely open. So I knew I loved food. I started a blog right when, you know, around the time when people were still blogging. And I just added little observations about, uh, okay, this is my reality. It's not 
the Eiffel Tower and macaroons, but you know, this, you know, the croissant crumbs on the table. It's the, I don't know, the empty bottle of ketchup next to your steak tartare. So I started thinking of visual stories and combining that. So I think that was my main inspiration was my everyday life. It's not a Paris of dreams. It's uh, the Paris of, you know, a vulnerable American trying to start over her life there. Yeah. You know, there's always this titular American in Paris and it does seem like such a dream, but you know, there's a reality to it. And as you said, was cataloged on the Um, Within that, you found charm in those crumbs. Yes, yes. I don't know how I did that, but (laughs) thank you for asking. (laughs) No, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think when I was in school, my art professor always said, you know, um, don't draw out of your head. Like, if you have something in front of you, that's the best inspiration. So that's always been my philosophy as far as drawing is concerned, is really observing what's in front of you. And that's definitely led my work in, in a good direction i think i mean also with an amazing collection of museums in paris yes, it must help course. to have that work in front of you but were there any specific french artists or eras of art that kind of informed the way you illustrate hmm, that's a good question i mean I, you know like cezanne is definitely you know he can do a peach like nobody's business that's always been a big inspiration i'm gonna take that quote okay <laughs> cezanne, he could do a peach like nobody's business <laughs> i mean come on now uh who else i, I think i'm I'm very much inspired by photography as well. My husband's a photographer, so that's opened my eyes up a lot to light. I think it's important to me and composition. Um, and who else? I love Edward Hopper for his play on, you know, his occupation of space with people and characters and that storytelling component. So with this book, Edible Paradise, yes. I mean, you're taking forms that people know, tomatoes, potatoes, I think I ran out of Eidos, but <laughs> you're rearranging them in almost this cornucopia seasonally. Um, how how did you think about reconstructing these already known figures? Well, I think I found a lot of inspiration in the Paris markets, and I think anybody who shops at a local market can can really embrace the changing seasons. So, uh, my editor definitely helped me to organize it by season and think about you know. Uh, continental things that we can find everywhere. So hopefully it can kind of take you on a ballade through the, the changing seasons. And I mean, it's there's a fantasy component about it too. It's not just a tomato plant, but it's, you know, all the crazy critters that help the tomatoes grow to what they are. And it's just a celebration of nature and where food comes from. And uh, it's also cool too, because on the front page, there's a little key of all the fruits and vegetables. That's the Spanish version, but um, on the... <laughs> On the in the American version, there's a little key of whoop, just at the 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 cover page. Oh, yes. There is a little key, so you can discover what the fruits and vegetables actually are. So it's a good way to color with the season if you want to keep it like a journal of what you've been eating, or uh, just you know find express yourself. You know, I mean, this is a journal of what you ate. I, I'm assuming you went ahead and had morels and ramps and huckleberries mm-hmm. and chestnuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that you see that you just won't eat? Uh, there are a few that I don't really know about, uh, like amaranth. I've never really tried that before. Some kind of funky nuts, more like forage nuts. I don't really know, but most everything I know. And uh, it was a good exercise to know about a little bit more about gardening and identifying leaves that 
relate to different fruit and vegetable families, but that's really nerdy. I won't yeah. talk about no, it. No, 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 please, because that's one of my favorite things about France is uh, you go to the markets and everything's put out so spectacularly. And it it's, almost begs you not to touch it. And yes. I, actually, most of the time, you're not supposed to touch yes. it. You're supposed to ask them and they kind of you know bag everything up for you. Um, but you go to specific markets for specific things and to learn about new items as well. So, so what, what are your favorite markets during, you know, say, the spring or summer seasons? Well, I've become very, very loyal to my local market. Uh, I live in Vincennes, which is just to the east of Paris on Line 1. We have a chateau um, in the neighborhood. But I really like that daily tradition of going to the market. So actually, a lot of people don't know, but um, there are lots of outdoor markets in Paris, but only maybe one or two are actual actual farmers or producers. So you kind of have to spot those places out. So Which ones are those? Usually you can tell because uh, it's marked maraîcher ou producteur. And also there are lot, usually a lot of old ladies waiting there. Um, also, I mean, obviously they don't have pineapples and all that kind of stuff. And uh, usually, I mean, the selection isn't uh, crazy good, but it's local. So so I've been going to those places quite a bit. And um, I, I work from home, so it's kind of the little stimulation I need in the day. And, you know, I buy my fruits and vegetables and... I really trust them a lot as far as what they have and what's good. You know, and, and Paris has changed because, what was it, up until the 70s, Léal was kind of yes. centrally located. And now uh, Rungis, which mm-hmm. was its replacement, is out by Orly Airport. And I've been there, and I can't say it's a charming place. Oh, no, not at it's, all. It's a lot of airplane hangers filled with specific single subject ingredients. Yeah. Beyonds is just all whole beef hanging from the ceiling. Um, so I, I, I almost feel like um, people miss this of Paris, to have something centrally located that everyone kind of came to and you know saw the cycle of fruits and vegetables. Now it's kind of almost doled out from the airport. Completely. I have a friend who actually started a blog called Paris Paysanne, a friend Emily Dilling, and uh, she noted the same things. And so she has been to all of the markets in Paris and she noted all of the the producer, all the producers. And um, it's, you know, an important movement. A lot of people don't even realize that, you know, the guy who sells pineapples isn't a producer. It all comes from Rangis. So I feel like even like in the States, there's a movement uh, even though France has a really, really wonderful food culture, people have become so removed from where their food comes from that there's kind of this new renaissance of knowing where your food comes from and supporting local producers. Excellent. We're going to take a quick break okay. and then come back and talk about strawberry patches, bouquets of fresh herbs, beehives and honeybees, and everything else in edible paradise. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market believes in seeking out local, fresh, and seasonal food and in supporting local farmers, makers, and the community as a whole, economically and agriculturally. Whole Foods Market believes in food that is vivid and colorful, fresh and full of nutrients. Food that connects you to your body, the seasons, and to nature. Food that helps you do more, sleep better, and wake up happier. Found in over 400 locations throughout the United States, 
Whole Foods Market only sells food that meets their standards, which means no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, ever. Whole Foods Market believes in real food. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more. Hey, and welcome back to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Jesse Canellos Weiner of Edible Paradise, a wonderful coloring book of fruits and vegetables inspired by the French marketplaces. Um, we were doing a little expose about the French marketplaces prior, and I don't want to you know, talk poorly about them because they, they are wonderful, and they have wonderful vendors and, like you said, producers. Because I remember the first time I met Joel Thibault. Uh, you were telling me just off air that what President Wilson. Um, so people have this relationship with these great vendors and producers, but this book gives you that same kind of understanding and relationship. It's not just a coloring book. What, what is this book to you? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, this book to me, I think, first of all, celebrates fruits and vegetables and puts them in a fun a fun light. And at the same time, I wouldn't call it food activism, but it introduces a subject in a fun and approachable way. It's, I mean, there are no words, obviously, so it doesn't, it doesn't force you to do anything, but, um, yeah, it's just a way to reconnect to food and, and where it comes from. No, I think the first step of activism is activity, you know, yes. actually just getting off your ass and doing something. That's a good point. Um, you know, it's also a great de-stressing tool. You know, you get to sit there and color and contemplate but it is important to you know have the foundation of what things look like and where they come from before going further than that yeah it's funny because i've gotten a few emails from people who have bought the book and they're like i like it but i just don't know what this is i don't know how to color it in it's like it doesn't matter it's, it's almost like cooking like you buy the good ingredients you know and just do something i mean it, coloring isn't that simple but um, yeah, I think we are disconnected from where our food comes from and how it grows and uh, the flora and fauna that corresponds with it as well. I mean, I have a book in front of me that you yourself have colored. Yes. Is, is it interesting to see how other people um, kind of colorize these pages? Definitely. I did three limited edition copies of Edible Paradise. I've been working really hard nights and weekends on this for a long, long time. But for me, my work is in color. So for me, it was really good to see the evolution of colors through the seasons. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, it's, it's really funny to see people's treatment. I use watercolor cause that's what I use all the time, but, um, my mom loves it and she did a really good job in colored pencil. I've seen people take it to the dark side too, with lots of purples and blacks. And so, I mean, I don't want to show this to everybody because they kind of feel like, Oh, it has to look like this, but it's, it's an, an open invitation. It's, you know, even if you don't know what a thing is, just color it in. It doesn't matter. Has, has this changed how you cook, how you eat, how you plate? The book or? Yeah, the, the process of even making the book and coloring it yourself. Uh, I wasn't able to walk down the produce style for a while <laughs> because yeah, there was a point where I was going a little crazy uh, drawing so many fruits and vegetables. But I think it's just made me value uh, where I am and that I'm in such a close proximity to good ingredients. And I hope that this book helps inspire people to think differently about how they eat. Yeah. As an illustrator. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I've photographed numerous cookbooks, but as an illustrator, um, 
you provide a task that you know a photographer can't do and it's it's almost that perfect uh, um, truest form of whatever it is and it's archival and it's informative as is this book you know you're drawing a tomato that will be a tomato forever um how do you kind of go towards that subject and say this is how i want to draw a tomato i know it's an odd abstract question but you know you're you're drawing such a true form of something yeah there's also the component of this book where it's going to get colored in too so how present does it need to be versus how people will interpret it as well so oh boy that's a good one um can you ask me the question again i'm sorry yeah no it's i've looked at a lot of books um that you know have a picture of a specific dish yes that's reflective of whoever photograph that not to say that okay. illustrators don't have their own specific style but okay. as an illustrator you're drawing something and it's a tomato rather than a picture okay by x of a tomato i think it's all about observation you know and uh with watercolor that's why i love it so much is because there is that that chance i mean watercolor is really unpredictable and so even i don't know i mean i i've have good enough technique now where I can kind of know how something's going to look, but, um, it's a play with the colors. It's how it moves on the page. It's, um, a matter of timing. It's a matter of layering different components and trying to get that final quality that I think is good. So I have to know when to stop too, because things can very often become a little overworked. Yeah. This is very parallel to cooking. Of course, of course. Yeah, you have to know when to stop. You have to know about your own taste as well and what other people like. You know, my husband's a picky eater, so I know not to overdo it on the curry powder. <laughs> but yeah, I know, I know, you've done work for a lot of commercial clients. Yes, uh, Nespresso, Google, Shet Books. When you work for a client like that, whose vision is it? Is it yours as an illustrator? Are they hiring you for your style, or are they trying to push you towards something you don't necessarily want to do? Well, usually I think people call me because they know my work already and um, they trust my vision as far as knowing. I know food really well, so I think that's why it shines through in my illustrations. And so, yeah, I think they maybe there's like a Paris component that people want to shine through a little bit or it's more of, um, uh, you know, making food look appetizing. It's not always easy. I'm also a food stylist and you know how it is taking photos, but... Food is a complicated thing, and it's always changing. So you have to know how to make it look good and appetizing. That that is uh, one of the truest things said. Uh, food is always changing, not only from you know a political or sociological or economic perspective, but literally from you know farm to table, uh, and from a stylist standpoint, from wherever you're cooking to the plate to mm-hmm. the lens and to the page. I mean so much time elapses and again going back to the kind of like archival nature of what this coloring book is um this seems like it will last forever and you, i sure you hope captured, so you captured such a you know perfect time such a perfect moment in time of these fruits and vegetables um it must be so unlike what you do when you food style yeah it's very different i think it's interesting to do both i mean uh, at the end of the day, it's all about people ask me all the time, how did you go from being a costume designer to a food stylist? But you know how it is. It's often, you know, I've always loved color. I've always loved composition. I've always loved collaboration. So it's just a matter of finding the right medium for you. And hopefully it works, you know? 
I know you've collaborated with another book, an American pastry cookbook. Yes. Um, are there any other food projects on the horizon? Yeah, I, I work uh, with uh, a publishing house called Marabou in France, and they're kind of the big cookbook house there. And so I actually write cookbooks too when I style them and I illustrate them. So I've been playing around a lot with mixing illustration and food styling on an illustrated backdrop. So uh, I'm always into finding, you know, the next way to tell the story, whether it's, um, you know, with collage or, you know, kind of that trompe l'oeil effect on the plate. So that is, yeah, Marabou is a regular client for me. Uh, I'm working on my second book, uh, which is not a coloring book or about food, but yeah, we, it's okay. We can talk about it. Okay. <laughs> I'll call you in a year. How yeah, about it? Yeah. And yeah, I just started an Etsy shop. I've started to be a little bit more political in my work and I'm doing large scale coloring protest signs. Uh, I've been hitting up the protests in Paris quite a bit. And so I've really found, uh, a great love making protest gear. So check that out. Etsy, Jesse Canales Weiner. And yeah, lots of stuff going on. Um, yeah. I think, well, I want to talk a little bit about Paris because yes. I, I'm always planning my next trip in my head. What places inspire you? What restaurants? What chefs? Uh, what new dishes? Hmm, good question. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the last time you, you were in Paris, you probably tested out the whole Neo Bistro uh, wave, which is really excellent. So there are lots of really lovely places these days. Even I was talking to a friend earlier who just moved back to Paris, moved back to New York from Paris. And, um, the food here is just different. I think, you know, Americans want big flavors and fireworks, but, um, in France, it's all about bringing out the best in the ingredients. So back to your question. Um, I love the broken arm, which is a concept store kind of a funky uh, fashion store that has like one pencil and a t-shirt and then a really good cafe. So uh, I think the chef there just left, but a, a wonderful Swedish chef, uh, really beautiful food, really colorful, inspired. Um, what else? Um, uh, Les, Les Servants is a really great place as well. Neo Bistro. I believe it's run by two sisters who kind of came from the whole SEP team world a lot of people from sep team have branched out and started their own places these days yeah and Le Servan, it's one of those restaurants that if you don't look up you're missing something it's gorgeous it's a gorgeous space it's 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 so stunning and you know france or, or paris specifically is such an inspiring place mm -hmm. to sit and eat and contemplate um there must be other cafes uh that you must sit at and just kind of soak it all in totally yeah uh where else do i go um, I, you know, I like going in nature as much as possible as well. I think that's where I find my, my source. Um, I live by the Bois de Vincennes, which is a forest just to the east of Paris. So I take about an hour walk there a day and try to reconnect, uh, with all of that. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a huge craft coffee scene now in Paris and there's a new place opening every day as well. So there's a place called the beans are on fire, I think. <laughs> oh I yeah. Know. That's right near Les Ravons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they have a nice outdoor space, which is nice. Um, yeah, I mean, Paris is always, there's always something new. There's always something to see. So, uh, I can compile a list if you'd like. Absolutely. Well, everyone should just visit your website and maybe the list will appear there someday. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. And in the meantime, everyone should also get Edible Paradise and start coloring away and planning your next trip for Paris. Jesse, uh, thank you so much for thank being Thank you. On my the show. pleasure. And 
Once it's a real treat. Thank you. Um, you've been listening to the food scene on Heritage Radio Network.org. I'm your host, Michael Hart on TechL. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Music by Cookies, David Tadashore Engineering. Cheers. Thank Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.